Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to the Speaking from Our Hearts podcast episode. Today I'm joined by a gentleman originally from the United States of America, but now living in Denmark by the name of Mr. Dave Morris. Dave, very, very warm welcome to you. Thanks, Paul. Glad to be here. Excellent. Um, On the previous podcast conversation we had, Dave, we spoke around suicide prevention. I know this suicide theme is um, the epidemic, as, as as we called it last time is very, very close to your heart. Um, and I know today you're, what we kind of want to talk about is is this this epidemic amongst our, our younger generation. But before we dive into that, Dave, if you just want to give us a, a kind of refresher thread from our previous podcast, just a brief overview of what we spoke about and the background. Yeah, I mean, uh, the last time we talked, I mean, I, we talked about me as a suicide survivor. Uh, we talked about that some of the things you could do to prevent that and how depression feels for for a lot of us. I was only speaking about my personal journey, but I think that when I was younger, I may, be, may have been an undiagnosed person or a young guy with depression as well. And I mean, we can be functional and live with depression as well. And people would never know the difference that there's something going on inside of you. And maybe I thought it was, I just didn't like my stepdad, or I just didn't like it in school, or I didn't get picked for a certain team and that depressed me. But I could never really feel it when I was young because, you know, when small things happen when when you're a young kid, you think it's the end of the world. So I think that uh, that was one of the things we didn't get into was me being a younger guy uh, growing up in a tougher type of environment and not being able to express myself. I, um, as an adult, as a suicide survivor, I am now able to feel myself and my feelings a lot more after having been recovered from this a little bit. But it's still there. There's still strains there where I have to deal with it. But as an adult, I know how to deal with that now. I know that it's okay to reach out for help. But when I was younger, I was lost in a lot of that and didn't have any clue uh, as to, should I tell somebody I don't feel good inside my head? Because uh, that's embarrassing. And I don't want, uh, I don't want my friends to think there's, that I'm the weird kid. Something's going on with me. But uh, that was just something that we, we, didn't, we didn't quite get into that. But uh, as a survivor myself, I, I have taken this mission on to bring out the fact that it's okay to speak openly and honestly about these types of things. Because when you're younger, it's really important. Because if I knew that I should have, I could have, and it was okay to talk about open and honestly about that I wasn't feeling good and maybe I was a little depressed, maybe it would have helped me as I got older. I wouldn't have felt that shame. Or I would have known, had some kind of tools on how to deal with that. 
I suppose, I mean, that that's, that's great wisdom, Dave, isn't it? That's great hindsight. Looking back, and I can, I can empathise with you so strongly here to my own childhood, and we've, we've kind of shared that, and obviously my own journey has been well documented, but I don't want to focus on, you know, this is not about me. This is about eliciting your experiences, your your hard hard-earned experiences, if you like, and those lessons that have come out of that for the benefit of, of others. And as, as we've designated in this particular podcast conversation day, for the benefit of young people. And so when you turn the clock back then, Dave, and, and as you said, you know, because I think at that age, well, <laughs> at any age, really, it's that classic, we don't know what we don't know. And there's all this you know, adults know best, and you know that we're kind of, as a, as a as a young person, almost at the bottom of the pile, looking up, aren't we? Because with so much we're confused about, and I think that just and that social acceptance, even more so for today's youth, more than from my awareness, more than it's ever been, because of the social media, the peer pressure, and everything that goes with it. Um, Let's come in on that social media angle, Dave. I think that's a that's a useful one to start the the ball rolling on this young person suicide prevention theme. What's your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, Paul. I mean, I am so happy that social media didn't exist when I was a kid. I mean, all the things and stupid things and embarrassing moments and you know just just. And all these things that I'm so embarrassed about or I probably have forgotten about would have been, you know, documented and put on Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or whatever social media platform you're going to use. I mean, these kids today really have uh, nowhere to hide when it comes to this because everybody's got a camera. Everybody's got a video and they all like to embarrass themselves. I have I have two teenagers now. One just turned 20 and we have heard some really, really crazy things that have happened and we've talked about it quite intensively but if when I was when I was younger it's pretty much the same I don't think it's changed at all but it's just different platforms to be embarrassed about I mean word of mouth was just good enough to be a, as long as, as 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 much as having a video uh, back then as it is now um, we are all just trying to survive when we were kids when we were young we all were worried about Oh, is somebody going to pick on me or is somebody going to say, oh, there goes the poor kid or there's the smelly kid or there's the, the kid that just can't get anything right. So the pressure is enormous when you're uh, you hit your teenage years or right around 10 to up to even 18. It's horrible. Everybody, everybody's in competition. Everybody wants to be the coolest, the latest gear they want to wear you know, the latest clothes and look cool. And, and it's this, it's this kind of a, you can't escape land. So you're just trying to survive until you finally get in your twenties or something where you can, you get your independence a little bit more and you start to think, you know what, I don't care what so-and-so is wearing. I don't care if they don't want to take a shower. I don't care if they're embarrassing. You just kind of come into your own a little bit more as you get older. But thank God there was no such thing as social media back there, back then. Even a picture. I mean, we used to take pictures. And when copier machines came out, we'd make copies of them and hand them out to our friends to embarrass people. I mean, that's what they did in my class as well. 
But uh, I, I, I can't imagine growing up in the social media world right now. The pressure is enormous. Interesting what you say there, Dave, about, you know, like when you get to 20, early adulthood, etc., and you become, inverted commas, a bit stronger. But I'd like to challenge that, if I may, because it's the scars that you collect on the way to becoming stronger, isn't it? And, you know, some people don't shake those scars off because there's an old saying, isn't it, that by then the damage is done. And, you know, particularly in those very early formative years of, you know, wherever that that toxic belief systems come from that inferiority complex that that lack that whole kind of myriad of i'm not worthy i'm not loved and yes i think when we you know generally uh, and i'm not i'm not even convincing myself here as i'm saying this as we get older we get more robust but actually we don't do we because we're still carrying those early vulnerabilities with us we do carry those scars with us but uh, sometimes I think when, I mean, I, I'm only speaking for myself as well. When I was young, you know, a certain image or a certain persona helped me to survive those years, whether that was, you know, not for me, but, you know, gangster guy or, you know, hip hop guy or funny guy, uh, whatever your persona is that you you adapt at a young age to kind of survive those critical and really horrible teenage years you kind of tend to carry that a little bit you know in your early 20s maybe maybe i should have said 30 i don't know or until you finally realize hey i can be whoever i want to be and just because i'm not perfect doesn't mean i'm not worthy it took me a lot of years to figure that out as well uh from the scars of childhood as, as i grew up that's true that's true paul yeah and there's, there's something kind of, I don't know if romantic is the right word, Dave. I say that because that's what come into my mind uh, as, I, as I was you know, constructing this thought. But there's something kind of romantic about this acceptance, is there? Isn't there about, do you know what? We're not perfect. I own this vulnerability. Romantic's definitely not the right word. Interesting why that's come to me. So I'll kind of stick with it at the moment. But there's something solid and, and you know, I love my vulnerability. I love my imperfection. But it's actually getting to that stage then, isn't it? Because I think when you've got to that stage, Dave, that's what, if I am if I was hearing you correctly, what you was alluding to when that 20 plus something or whatever age it is that I really don't care in our world what label you want to put on me. I'm not bothered anymore. Yeah. It's irrelevant. Um, that's your self-acceptance. Yeah. Now, when you finally accept who you are, what your beliefs are, and you're not perfect. And you know what? Nobody is. The ones, the people that try to act like they're perfect are really miserable inside nine times out of 10. There's a saying that I have, the most miserable people in this world cannot stand to look at themselves in the mirror. I use that all the time. And what I mean by that is when, if you can get to a point where you accept all your crazy imperfections, it makes it a lot easier to be around people because you're okay with yourself. You know you're not perfect and you've accepted that. And so if I'm not perfect and another person said, might, might say, you know what? I really don't, I can't stand that guy, Dave. He's, he's not perfect. That's not my problem. They're, how, they, how they accept me is not my yeah. problem and not my responsibility. And that's okay. Yeah. It's that saying, Dave, isn't it? What other people think of me is none of my business. That's right. Yeah. 
Um, and there's obviously a lot of projections that take place. I mean, they take place in adulthood where, inverted commas, Dave, we should know better. But, I mean, obviously going back to the childhood um, element, the young person perspective here, you know, I suppose in the defence, they don't know better. And it's up for us as adults, as mentors, as guides, call it what you will, to actually nurture our young, isn't it? And say, do you know what? It's actually, this is kind of picking up on the thread of our first conversation, Dave, isn't it? It's okay to be vulnerable. It's, it's, it's normal. It's, it's called being a human being. Right, exactly. But we don't. I mean, my, uh, you know, that whole thing when we talked about, you know, big boys don't cry and all that. And, 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 you know, it's okay to cry. I mean, my son, even for example, even when he is falling off his bike, not being, de- not, not nothing going mentally, but he fell off his bike. And his first reaction is to look at me like, I, I don't want to cry in front of my dad because and it really hurts, but I don't want him to think I'm weak. I'm, I go, I just run over to him and give him a hug and say, let it out. That hurt. I know that hurt. Now let's make sure that it's nothing's broken. You know, that, 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 it, 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 it just doesn't, doesn't resonate with me to not show your feelings anymore. I mean, maybe when I was younger, but I'm, but I'm here to tell you, I wish I had a mentor or a podcast like this, Paul, where I listen to it when I'm a young guy, because, you know, and say, you know what, these guys are okay. They're, they're, they're showing themselves. They're not, they're not running around crying. They're just saying it's okay to cry and it's okay to be vulnerable. And when I, when I see people hold back their whole lives, unable to express themselves, or feel vulnerable. I know that they probably haven't had a person in their life that they felt trustworthy enough to be with or to be vulnerable, to feel safe with. Uh, I grew up without a dad. Uh, I grew up uh, with a lot of different mentors, but I always, I always felt a little bit alone in that where I didn't trust men. I didn't trust what they were saying. And they would say, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. That's the bad thing. You should never say to somebody, you need to do this. You should do this. Instead of how are you feeling? Are you okay? Do you need a hug? Um, There's nothing wrong with that. That uh, That doesn't make you any less of a man. Or as a child, don't be afraid to ever say, I need help. I need a hug. I need to talk. And this is a question of education, Dave, isn't it? About literally re-educating the world around these acceptances, as you call them. Um, I, w- I, w- right. I would personally call them normalities, but it seems that as a society, as a global society, we've we've totally lost that inverted commas normality because of you know all these these labels and these conditionings and yes the media particularly social media have played a monumental part in distorting the reality of of life and who we are at our true core selves and as you say do you know what whether you're a boy or a girl with a predominant masculine or feminine energy is totally irrelevant because if there's an emotion that's struggling let it out right we got to do something about this, Paul. I mean, I have some some facts over to the side of my computer here. So if you see me glancing, I'm not glancing away. But I mean, I took some statistics today, and I was really astounded and, uh, and surprised myself because you know I, I normally am 
an advocate for men's mental health and suicide prevention and awareness. But for younger people, it's, it's an epidemic as well. I mean, I read 10 to 14 year old kids, the suicide rate has tripled in the last 10 years. Tripled, Paul. That's crazy numbers. 17 to 19 year olds have, has increased by 76% in the last 10 years. We have an epidemic for every age in this world right now with 800,000 people dying a year, 3,000 a day, and one every 40 seconds. This, people are not expressing themselves. They're not able to talk. They don't trust people, whether you're a kid or an adult, but we're talking about kids here. Something is wrong. We need to break the cycle. I always talk about that with my, my son and my daughter. I say, I, I'm so happy. I feel like I'm breaking a cycle with you because I didn't have this when I was younger. The mentors need to step up. The dads need to step up. I mean, I'm sure the mom's stepping up, but it's everybody's responsibility. A teacher, poke your head in there. You know, uh, a gym, gym teacher, a coach, uh, whatever. Grab any adult you can that you trust. And adults, be there for these kids because it's like a lost generation right now. We're going to have a really big problem in the next 20 to 30, 40 years where it, the number is going to be what? Are we going to lose a million people a year? Uh, this is crazy. And I, I feel like they're not really we're, – we're talking about it, but not a whole lot is being done about it. They're, the awareness is being brought up. They're not really talking about the core problem, which the core problem is for others to feel safe, not judged, that it's okay to fail that you are loved, that you are wanted, that you have a place on this earth. Yeah. And that, I love what you've said there, Dave, because yes, we originally started and set the focus around young person's uh, suicide prevention, but it's very quickly in boxing terms. We're, pu we're now punching beyond the target, aren't we? Because the reality is, whether it's a young person, an older person, that, that label of age yeah, I mean, this this horrific, uh, and there is no other word than epidemic. It doesn't it doesn't kind of bow down to a label. Oh, you're you're female, eighteen to twenty seven. So I'll leave you alone. Say no more than alcoholism does, or or cancer, or any of these other vile challenges that we're having everyday life. So I love what you said there, right. Dave, because for me that sets the tone of okay, let's really go deep here, and how do we change this world? And yes, you're obviously your focus um, and because of your personal experience in your crusade, Dave, is around the suicide focus. So I'm very respectful not to take it too far away from that. But I think there's a kind of I won't say a one size fits all, but in the same breath, I will. That underneath uh, the solid platform, irrespective of what we're talking about, is this simple love versus fear, is it not? Or am I oversimplifying this yet again? No, I think you're hitting it. Uh, I feel like young people are, are unable to express themselves sometimes because they feel a certain pressure, because they have stress at school, they have stress at fitting in. The mentors need to be involved to actually see this, to actually ask the questions. We're all busy. I work every day. I get it. I'm tired when I come home. Sometimes the kids... And I mean, I have teenagers, so these are not little kids anymore. I don't have to feed them. I don't have to worry about if they have clean clothes or 
whether they've done their homework. They're old enough to be able to deal with that now as teenagers. But I do have a responsibility to pop in, to talk to them. How was your day? Are you feeling okay? Not because I think that there's something wrong with them mentally, but like, do you have some stress going on? You know, we have to have these conversations. Now, I don't have to pester them every day because you know as well as I do, teenagers don't want to be pestered. They don't want, my kids don't want me going, are you sure you're okay? I'm here. That's not how we talk to them. Just let them know I'm available all the time, that nothing is off limits. We will talk about anything and I will not judge you. I will always be there. I mean, I had a daughter, she came home drunk or she got drunk at a party. Now, I remember when I was young, I would have been worried about calling my my dad, I mean, not my dad, my mom, and say, could you come get me? I would never do that because I would be too ashamed and too worried about the consequences and everything else that goes with that. Well, my daughter knew better and she had her friend call me. I went and got her, made sure she was safe. And then we'll talk about it afterwards about what actually happened and maybe you drank too much. But she was also depressed at that time because uh, we, I had been through a divorce and she was challenged by that and hurt by that. And, and I understood that. And maybe she had a little too much to drink, but I would never judge her for that. I would always be there for her. I made sure that she was safe. And we talked about it the next day. Well, or maybe the day after, because she really wasn't in a position to talk in the morning. But my kids know that I'm there for them. And all mentors need to be there for their kids, whether whether they're yours or not. I have a stepson as well. He could come to me at any time. I, I'm pretty sure that he feels safe with me as well. We've talked about that. Non-judgmental, inavailable, and being involved. We as parents and mentors need to get involved in this because young people are having a problem with expressing themselves. They're worried about a lot of other things, social media and image, blah, 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 a lot of things. So we need to do our part, Paul. Absolutely. And it's interesting witnessing the the language or the tone that we're adopting here, Dave, which is very much more, because we're focused on children, it's very much more <coughs> sensitive. I can re- recall from our previous conversation how we both got, absolutely quite rightly in my humble opinion, quite animated and the language was around going to war, facing this epidemic, almost fronting it up like some ghetto-style battle as a warrior. From my part, Dave, I stand by that. But it's just interesting to see how with the sensitive tone of what's evolving because we're talking about children and that, that, you know, that yet again, that, that vulnerability of, of the young. Um, there, for me, there is no discrimination and it is about, you know, I got, I got an insight from somebody that knows quite a lot about peak performance, personal development, improving in life, call it what you will. Um, and he said, you know, when it comes down to it, Paul, it's all wrapped up in, in three simple words, you know. Of course, the mind goes on to that. I love you. Who really cares? And isn't that encapsulating, Dave, what you've just said there around the mentor, the guide, the teacher, the parent, whatever, the carer, but that somebody just to put that arm or even that metaphoric arm around the shoulder to say, do you know what, son? Or do you know what, lass? It'll be okay, you know. How are you feeling? 
Are you having a good day? Just, and people, we don't understand the power of that, do we? We do not understand the power of that. No, I mean, they hide enough enough stuff from me, Paul. I'm sure I'm not getting half the conversation or half the things that happened during that day. You know, and that's okay. As long as they're not criminal, um, as long as they're not doing, uh, you know, other substances of that sort uh, or drinking excessively, I even if they were, I, I would hope that they trust me enough to talk to me about it. But the, my point is, is that I'm not getting the whole story and I'm never going to get the whole story, but I want them to know that I'm there for them. Of course, they're young people. They're in, they want to be independent. They want to find their own way. They think they know better. Us parents, we don't know anything. We're just dumb old people. That's what that's what I used to think when I was young too. You remember what? Uh, so, so when I had but when I had a baby, uh, all the people around me used to say, "Now oh, you need to enjoy this because they grow up so fast." All the people that had older children used to tell me that when when I had a baby, and I I used to kind of look at them and I I would think to myself, "You don't know nothing." it's a baby it's going to be like this for a long time and now you know now the the kids are grown and they're off on their own and i'm saying that to to the young mothers and fathers that i see with the baby strollers so the point is is that we do know a little something we're not completely dumb and we're not blind to a lot of the stuff that's going on and if depression can find somebody that's not doing so well it will find it. It will find that person. Depression, like you said earlier, Paul, doesn't care what age you are. Now, I do think that it may be a certain age. I mean, maybe ten. I don't. I, I don't know where depression can actually start to go over in your brain. Um, but it will find you. It doesn't care what age you are. Above ten, it doesn't care where you come from. It doesn't care how much money you got, how successful and how popular you are. Depression can find you and depression is real and depression is an illness and depression will lie to you. So if you're feeling anything as a suicide survivor myself, I want you to seek help. I want you to find that mentor and I want you to have trust that somebody will be there for you and will listen to you because I can guarantee you one thing, that mentor, that teacher, that parent, that friend would rather sit and listen to you for hours on end than for you to self-harm yourself. That is a fact. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's not really, uh, there's not really a long anywhere else to go from that, Dave. I mean, I was going to say to you that, um, you know, from this, if we could pass on one, because I think we've just started warming up now. Um, I mean, there's so many powerful messages here, Dave. And as, as, as I, you know, a little bit of fun on the previous podcast, but that element of surprise. OK, Dave, give me the one big thing. But in a different context now, Dave, I ask you the same question of, you know, and and there will be other podcasts. I really do want to dig down on this with you, and I want to dig far and wide on it as well. Um, but give me one thing, Dave. I mean, I feel that you may have summed it up. I don't know. I don't want to be assumptive around that. But give particularly our young listeners that message of hope or that one powerful 
insight or inspirational word, those inspirational words, Dave, that just might save one life, just might. Suicide is a liar. Suicide can enter thoughts, make you think that it's the only way out. I promise you, as a survivor myself, that is not true. Everybody has a place in this world. Everybody has a voice and you are loved. And if you're feeling bad inside yourself, please reach out. Someone's always there. That would be my message, Paul. Wow. Reaching out, Dave. How can we get in touch with you? You can get in touch with me uh, through Facebook as David Morris, or you can get get in touch with me online at www.districtd.1. I have a website there. Contact me anytime. Dave, I want to thank you immensely um, for for sharing this and, and, and the work that you're doing and the vision that you've got, because to say it's much needed is, I won't even justify it with, with going any further with these words. Um, but thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart because I too have been there and I know what it means because I still speak to young people and there's those thin lines. So utmost gratitude to you, Dave. And as I said, you know, it would be an absolute privilege to have you back on again. And we'll, di we'll dig down and we will get these messages out there and we will we will wage this, this war on this vile epidemic. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome, Paul. So there we have it, listeners. As you can tell, the uh, the tone's a bit um, uh, reflective, I think, rather than subdued. But, I mean, it's been a, obviously a very, very uh, powerfully emotional subject that we've touched upon. The risk of repeating, Dave and I will be digging further on this, so stay tuned. And all that remains for me to say now, as I always do, is remember, no matter what you do in life, always walk your path with heart. Hearts helping everyone achieve results towards success.